reassuringly chunky. They, yes. they, um, I'm really happy with them uh, because, you know, they're British and they do. They, they, I mentioned to a few of my podcaster friends that I'm getting these Aston Stelves and they were like, oh my God, it's like, it's like the Bentley of microphones. Um, it? it really is. They're like, these, these are retailing now about £300 each. Wow. Um, but Aston have been really kind to us. I explained our situation with the new studio, no money. And, um, you know, we're trying to make, and they were like, okay, we'll bring the price down to sort of half price for you and we'll let you pay from bit by bit. Like, so, uh, yeah, but, you know, that is what it is. <laughs> if, if eventually somebody's like, hi, shoes with biscuit, we'll give you money. Yeah. I'll be like, okay, thanks. Invest, that's, invest, that's, invest. Uh, invest, invest, yeah. invest. Yeah. Um, uh, so guys, welcome to the show. Um, this is how we're going to do it now. I'm not even going to welcome people in from the beginning. We're just going to do a Joe Rogan run in. Um, Today we've got special guest Steve Palmer, who's a local author, and we've just been having a, a really good chat about music, actually, before we even uh, hit record. Uh, and it's always the way, though, isn't it? We always get really good content before we hit record. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And of course, as you heard, we've got our beautiful Shane Hinton. Hello. With his very Norse-looking, uh, his beard. I love that beard. I'm trying. Mate. I'm trying, mate. I it's, think it's great. I, it's, it's getting there. Norse beard and flat cap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's a, it's a I don't follow any trend. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. He's like the Ragnar of... Uh, yeah. of, of, of uh, Peaky Blinders. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've gone pretty Norse here already, haven't we? We have, yeah, we have. Um, I just wanted to say that we were supposed to... Um, I'm going to be honest, we were supposed to have uh, Laura Clark on from Lefebvre Chocolates today, but she wasn't feeling very well, and... Um, I've got to send out some hugs over the air to Laura because I absolutely love that lady. She's been a massive support to us from the very, very beginning. Um, We were chatting earlier, actually, because she sent me a really nice voice message about things that happened today, which we'll get into in a sec. Um, And she was like, I remember when... You know, I was on um, Pride Hill. <laughs> we had the same conversation. Yeah, 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 literally. I had a microphone. I was like, "Will you, will you talk to me, please?" And people just wouldn't do it. And she was like, "Oh, just, just hang in there, man. You can do it. Don't worry about it." And she was like, "Now look at you. You know, uh, do you want to announce what? What? I mean, people that follow us on social media will know anyway. But what happened today, Shane? We're on the board. We're on the board. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the board. Um, yeah, we went to the launch of the um, Monopoly Shoesby Edition. Um, today at, at the, the prison, Diana, yeah. uh, and well, currently all over Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it was it was good. I mean, we all, we always knew we were going to have some sort of involvement. You know, we, we've been very perslipped about it, and we've been dying to sort of I, announce it. It's but, been killing me. <laughs> but you know, we, we managed it. And we were like, right, okay, we got there, and there was um, a table set out in the wing that um, that had you know the the, the game set out already on it. Uh-huh. And uh, so I'll go straight up and grabs all the cards because, as far as we were concerned, we were going to be going to well, have a card, you know, like a chance, chance of community chance, chance, you know, some, yeah. some sort of yeah, on yeah. a card. Yeah. Um, so he starts going through all the cards and he goes, "Oh, we're not on it." Oh right, maybe they must have yeah. found somebody else or. I was like, "Well, well, well play. at least okay, we got, cool. at least we're included." Yeah, you know, we, the, the... We, we've been we've been involved pretty much right from the initial start, really, in so, in some sort of capacity. And we're like, okay, cool. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. We're, we're humble people. And then, uh, and I was just like, oh, okay. You know, that's, that's, that's cool. And we're just looking at it. And all of a sudden I was like, ow. He's like, what? I was like, we're on the board. <laughs> he was like, what? Yeah. And I literally were on a chance, you know, on, on the board, literally right there. And Fantastic. we were like, ah! <laughs> so we went through into the, um, into the restaurant in the, in the prison. And, um, there was, um, 
big board. a massive huge like massive board and um and yeah we, we were looking at this this chance thing with our, with our with our logo and that on it and we just we just looked at each other like do you want to just pop outside for a minute uh, and keep trying to keep our composure yeah, you know have a bit of a cry so like <laughs> yeah so, so we kind of like you know moseys on outside of it and as soon as we got out of the way of everybody else we were like yeah Yes, yes. <laughs> jumping around everywhere, and then Jules come later and saw us still jumping around the seaweed yard, and then like, yeah, yeah it was well just done. amazing, yeah, absolutely nice amazing. I just want to say thank you to everybody that's you know shown faith in us. Um, but anyway, look, I don't want to sit here and uh, I, I'm, I've noticed when I've been editing through um, that we have um, we've been talking about ourselves a lot. Are you okay? Oh, what you like? Uh, we've been talking about a, lo- a lot about ourselves. We're kind of really proud of what we do, and I don't want to sound good. You should be, yeah. Um, but let's talk about you, Steve. Um, I remember back then when I first started the show. I, I, I kind of. <laughs> I was going to say I overexposed myself because I did. I, Oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of went out there and I gave everyone my card. I, I organised like eight different shows for the launch, and it, it was a it was a bit more, a bit much. If I'm if I'm going to you know be honest, I was kind of like, oh my god, there's so many people going on, and Stuff I think happens. communication kind of broke down between us, and I, I felt really bad because like right. you're a creator. And I like creators. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so I'm really glad to have you on the show. Thank You're, you for thank you for asking me. You're very welcome. Um, so let's find out a bit about you. You know, um, are you originally from Shrewsbury? Uh, kind of. Yeah. I, I, um, my parents moved here when I was six. Yeah. Uh, so my mum's Welsh. My dad's English. Uh, we lived in Wales for a bit. So um, yeah. So I, I was as a, as a young kid. Six-year-old went to Bass Church Primary School. Oh, fantastic! Then uh, went to the Wakeman School. It was a grammar oh. school in those days. Well, it was a, it was very different oh. in those days. It was in the seventies. I'm a primary um, boy. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it turned into um, it, it was like more of a priory thing after than like eighty, I think. But I'd left. By right. Um, so then I went to university in London, and uh, you know did university things down there, and met people, and got married and stuff. Uh, so, um, so I, I'm kind of Shropshire. I mean, this is my home county. Shrewsbury is my hometown. Yeah. Um, and then to cut a very long story short, um, my wife, my, my then wife, and I um, had to move back to Shropshire in 2005. So I've been in Shropshire since then, and uh, and have been loving it. Yes, yeah. uh, it's a beautiful place. I do love it, and Shrewsbury is such a fantastic town. Oops, yeah. I love Shrewsbury. So we were talking. My knee is right next to the leg uh, yeah. of this chair at a table. Um, so you're a writer. And we, were so, we were talking before uh-huh. we began um, the show that you said you've been writing for many years now. Um, was that something you wanted to do when you were younger? Is it something you could see yourself it was. doing? It yeah, really? was. Yeah, yeah. When I was doing English at uh, the Wakeman School in 1970, whatever it was, five, four, six, whatever. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved creative writing. And I was in, my, in those days, we had O-levels. Which um, some of your listeners won't even remember, um, but when, I, when um, we did um, English O level, I was gutted to find out that creative writing wasn't even on that. So even when I was a teenager, a young teenager, I was doing creative writing and loving it. Uh, and then went to university, did physics, you know, loved science, and just got back into it in my twenties. Uh, and um, well, I don't know. It's it's just a very very long story. I can give you a, a potted highlight if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, we're so, here for a good hour. So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, basically, I did what everyone did in those days um, sent stuff around to publishers in London, you know, on paper. So, you know, yeah. I would, I'd find out who these guys were, get their names from various, you know, location library books and stuff like that, send stuff off to them. Um, but I didn't realize how bad I was. Um, <laughs> like, like most novice writers, I was hopeless, absolutely hopeless, and I just had no Full idea. Full of confidence. Like well, that, you know, yeah. I just thought I'd try it. Um, so, one day, what happened was I received. 
a package, which is a return of one of my, um, you know, sample chapters and synopsis. Uh, I thought, oh, well, they've returned this. Obviously, it's, it's not very good. Um, and on the second page, somebody had left a post-it note, which shouldn't have been there. And this post-it note described how useless my writing was and how oh, terrible. Wow. But the thing was, I mean, I was absolutely mortified when I read it. I thought, oh, my God, I'm useless. But then that actually turned me around. Mm. I th- I then but I th- I thought you know I actually still want to do this I love doing it it's, I'm by nature very creative so I really upped my game uh, and I you know I got I read books about how to write I kind of learned from other authors I really really did some serious work to to get better basically mm. it kind of showed me how useless I was yeah and sometimes you have to see that yeah that shows a lot of depth in you though because it, a lot of people would have been like right fine that, that's it yeah. then you know but you went out and you really well, wanted to yeah yeah I just knew I wanted to do it I just loved doing it I still, I still absolutely I, tell, I have to say being an author is fantastic fun there's no money in it you, you know it's a real slog you have to work incredibly hard yeah but I absolutely love it. It is a great thing to do. Um, and then again, I got lucky again. In, you know, in the um, early 90s, I sent stuff to Orbit Books because um, I was writing science fiction at the time um, and um, didn't hear back. And then me and I got married to my wife and we were living in Luton down in the southeast. Um, and um, we were living in basically because Luton is not exactly the most lovely town. Um, it's a well, I shouldn't say really. Uh, but anyway, it's, you know, not the nicest place. And we had two appalling appalling neighbors they were just they were one of them was severely mentally ill uh, which you know at Can't the time be helped, but. well exactly and at the time it was this was thatcher's britain care in the community there was no community these people were not being cared for it was a disaster but at the time we didn't really have the understanding to feel sorry for them yeah i kind of do now in a way because they were just absolutely let go but they were making our life a living hell so we had to move away and literally a week before we moved never going back to that place again, not leaving a forwarding address, I received a letter from a guy called Tim Holman at Orbit Books saying, yeah, I've read your, and this is a year after I sent this stuff out. He said, yeah, I read your, your sample chapters. I really like this. Can you send us the rest? Nice. Um, so I had to write to him and say, or, or yeah, I wrote to him, that's right. Which and, one was it? <laughs> well, I had to say, look, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of an extremely traumatic house move at the moment. Um, you know, and also by then I'd had a better idea for a third version of this novel that I that he had read the second version of. So I just thought, oh Christ, what the hell am I going to do? So I moved house, had Christmas, went down to Cornwall, where, where my, my wife was from, had a bit of a rest, came back, did a really really good third version of this, sent it off to him, and then heard nothing. And literally, this is nineteen ninety four, and then literally at the end of that year, um, I had a phone call. Um, and he said, uh, this was Tim Holman again, he said, um, yeah, I'm really sorry for not having <laughs> been in touch for almost a year. They had been moving offices, they'd had issues with themselves, of, you know, in the, in the publishing mm. house, and they just said, yeah, we, we like this. We'll make a decision and we'll let you know shortly after Christmas. That's amazing. And they said, yes, I could. But the most phenomenal, and that is my... You know, what was that? What was that first publication then? What was that? That was Memory Seed, my debut novel. At the time, it was called something different, um, but I got lucky. I got picked off the slush pile, as it's known, at odds of about ten thousand to one against, because they were getting two thousand submissions per year. Oh wow! So it was the most amazing stroke of luck. And what was it like for you when they, when you've got your first? How, how does it work for a writer when something gets published for the first time? Um, well, I mean, for ages I didn't believe it. It was just <laughs> so. I mean, I had to go down to London and meet this guy in this enormous office building. You know, he was second in command at Orbit at the time, and I mean, you know, meet him. 
I was very naive. I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, mm. I was very young, to be fair. I mean, this, I was only, you know, you know just in my 30s. Um, I had no idea really what was going on, to be brutally honest. Um, mm. And then the other thing that happened was that um, the book was called Cray, K-R-A-Y, because it was kind of, there was a hint that there might be a supercomputer in there, as in the Cray supercomputer. And literally three weeks before um, the deadline, um, he said to me, we can't really call it Cray because of the Cray twins, and yeah, that might be a bit yeah, of an issue. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to come up with a new title with 20 days, and I couldn't think of anything. My wife couldn't think of anything. So eventually one of my friends came up with Seeds of Memory because he'd read it um, in a very early draft, my friend Steve Kett. And thank goodness he did because we were stuck, and that was turned into Memory Seed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fantastic. And so, what I mean, how, when when you when you get a book released, so this is the the days before Amazon. Before this is nineteen ninety six. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, before yeah. you could buy way before Amazon. <laughs> yeah, way before Amazon. Well, what I mean is like before hmm. internet shopping. Yeah, I, I sent a synopsis for of my book to to. Uh, it's, it, the book, the, the synopsis is still in my drawer upstairs, in my underwear uh-huh. drawer actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, never really did anything with it. I sent it out. People. Uh, the, uh, I got publishers coming back to me going, if you send us £3,000, we will do the, whatever you want to do, but you just got to come uh, up with that. That's uh, reality yeah. publishing. No, no. Yeah. Don't, never touch that with the bar. Yeah, and that's because there's so much out there, like with Amazon, with the, the yeah. availability of things. So back then when you released this, it was, I guess, physically, physical copies were made in, in, in like... Yeah, they had 6,000 made. 6,000 yeah. made. Basically, they, they worked out what it was likely to sell as a new, you know, new debut author, British. They were looking for two British authors. I was one of them. Um, and so they, they, they made a guess that, that 6,000 would be about right. Mm-hmm. It actually did sell out. Uh, and in fact, it actually it was reprinted. Um, there was a, there was a, um, a book um, chain called Dylan's at the time, which afterwards was taken over by Waterstones. Mm-hmm. And Dylan's did a special operation, so an extra couple of thousand were printed. So it did really well. Um, and then the sequel that I did, because I had a two book offer, um, was called Glass, and that kind of that kind of reprised the plot for reasons which my fans didn't really understand, unfortunately. Um, so um, I kind of, in retrospect, I slightly regret doing that. But it, but it, at the time, it was the right thing to do. Is it the, that, the awkward sequel then? Is the, well, know, it, it wasn't really a sequel. Crazy. It was kind of. It was. It was. A kind of retread, but looking at things from a different angle. So, oh, okay, I think they were just it just didn't. I mean, it did sell. It sold more than Memory Seed, but yeah, I got dropped after that. So, uh, mind you, a lot of authors did. It was mm. it was a bad time for science fiction in the late nineties. Did you did you make uh, many author friends back then? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Speak to you today. Yeah. Met Ian Banks. Yeah, yeah. I was invited to um, their convention at um, in Glasgow. Uh, and obviously he was Scottish, so I met him. Yeah, I met a few. But again, I was so naive. I was you know, young. I knew nobody. I'd been fantastically lucky, so I didn't really, I wasn't really in with the in crowd. Yeah. So I just knew. So um, by the time I got dumped, I was just about ready to understand what what had happened to me. Yeah, it was yeah. a really strange experience, you know, two or three years of being known who, who you are and then... Who's that? <laughs> yeah, I, can imagine, I can imagine it being like a whirlwind tornado. Sort of it, was. it absolutely was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what? What just what happened? That? What was that? Yeah. A bit like a wedding day. Yeah. yeah. Wedding day yes. a bit like that. That's a great you analogy. Know, like, you know, you... That's a very good analogy. My wedding day was like that. Me and Amanda yeah. sat down at the end of our day and thought, like, what the hell just it's happened? six o'clock already. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what? yeah. Did so and so even turn up? Like, I didn't uh, yeah. even see him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember my wedding day and I was just getting dragged around because, yeah. because my wife is, is Colombian. 
you don't you don't just say goodbye to people. You have to physically go around and say goodbye to people. Oh, hello to people. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's very physical, man. You got yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to. And yeah. so uh, during my wedding day, I was kind of getting dragged on. Here's such a yeah. Um, I know my wedding day with like my now ex ex wife. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of that. But we had we had kids as well. So not only did I have to deal oh, with right. guests, yeah, yeah. but there was a picture of me yeah. somewhere in my wedding suit. Yeah on my hands and knees changing a nappy you know, yeah. you know it was it's a total like, whirlwind yeah and yeah. and yeah i can remember going home in fact i was driving on my wedding day like because you know we had the kids and everything so yeah. i was stone cold sober um i and yeah i remember driving home putting the kids to bed and uh and sort of sitting downstairs after just taking my suit off and just being like Mm. suddenly it's the evening yeah yeah. and you're like what the hell's just happened (laughs) and this is what boggles my mind is like you know with weddings this is going to sound really raunchy and a bit weird but everybody expects this amazing night where it's the first night with your wife and it's like never happened no comment (laughs) you're knackered you're going to sleep absolutely Um, so after you got after you got dropped from from the label um, what happened then for you because Uh, I then got picked up by an American um, company um, so that, I mean, I, by then I got to know a few people. Um, and, um, so I got picked up, but it turned out that this, the guy, I gotta be careful what I say here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't um, offend but, um, well, the guy who, um, ran this company is, um, as he's, oh, how can I put it? He's, um, has certain idiosyncrasies. Oh, okay. Um, and okay. so, um, that wasn't such a good deal as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of lived off that for a while. And then that, so by the time I got to about 2006, um, I'd had no real luck um, to be apt. That was actually the, the first of two times that I almost gave up. Now, by, that, by this time, I'd moved to Shropshire. Um, I was working at Waterstones in the High Street in Shrewsbury. Uh, I was there for a year. Uh, and I just thought, oh, this is just, oh, I, I'm going to have to like, give up here. But I didn't give up. What I thought I would do is I thought I would reinvent myself and just start again as if from scratch. So I started sending stuff around to publishers and I literally chose the best of the British independent publishers. I listed them all, chose the top one, which is PS Publishing, sent something to them on a Friday. And on the Monday, to my absolute astonishment, I got an email from Nick Geevers, who was the PS's editor at the time, saying, yeah, we'll have this. I could, I mean... That by right should never have happened. Another that's, that's, extraordinary stroke of luck. Um, that speaks of your character, though. You know, after all those years of just like fail, 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 and you just think, do you know what? This is my last chance. This is what I'm going to do. Otherwise, that's it. And then you, well, you know, I actually thought that um, this will sound weird, but I kind of was in a way looking forward to it because it because it gave me a chance again to kind of reinvent myself, um, to kind of really pit myself against the odds again to really make an effort and get out there and absolutely do it. I just I, more educated as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, like but do it was it right this time. Yeah, you know, but it was of. the idea of actually, you know, really pitting myself against the odds that really attracted me. That I just thought, well, I'm going to bloody well do this again and make it damn well work. Because the man told you you couldn't, like, <laughs> sort yeah, of thing, yeah. you know. Like. <laughs> um, so then what happened was um, I had um, I, again. I can't go into this because it's um, mm. personal and I've got to be careful. But um, uh, uh, my wife was was um, severely ill. So um, then there was quite a big hiatus in my life for many years. And the book didn't come out until 2010. Um, and um, so then that did okay. It wasn't terribly well reviewed. Mm. And it was quite a challenging novel. I do occasionally do. Um, I do like to, 
I don't like to give my, my readers too easy a time. Uh, it does vary from book to book, but some books of mine are going to be fairly challenging. And some of my fans like those ones. They prefer those because they want to In be what challenged. way? Like uh, well, hard stories or just... No, just, I just, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on beneath the surface that my fans kind of like, you know, they have to get... You know, it's not all there done. All the work isn't done for them. All the books that I really love today are the books, the novels that I have really had to put a lot of effort into. I had to reread, think about. Kind of cryptic sort of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that to me is the kind of novel that I like to write. Um, Not always, but, you know, quite often. Yeah. Um, So this novel, Urbis Morpheus, was um, (laughs) probably my my most challenging um, work. Um, And... I look back on it now with with fairly mixed feelings. Um, again, what goes into making something like that? You know, when you've got to write something cryptic like that, you know, something that people's got to work. Is there a lot of research that goes involved, or does that just come just flow out of you? Um, well, that one kind of did and didn't. Um, again, this is a really um, strange thing that, that happens with my novels sometimes. Um, with that one, the novel was set a million years in the future, so I had to. Wow. Um, devise a kind of a world and characters that would be recognisable to a reader, you know, in, in you know, in two thousand and six, um, but would be so futuristic that it would absolutely blow their minds. So that's quite a difficult tightrope to walk. Um, so most of the reviews of that novel kind of get that and think, okay, this is completely different. This is you know something a bit different. But that does make it quite a challenging read at the same time. Mm. Um, That's one of those things that you do think about. Though. What, what, what's going to be? What's the world going to be like in a million years? I this mean, is why I write. Actually, this is this is. Um, I remember when I was at um, primary school. So I would have been ten or eleven. I was in uh, Miss Reed's primary class at Bastard Primary School. Shout out to Miss Reed. Yeah, well, she's, <laughs> she has passed away now, obviously. Um, so, th- so this would be what nineteen seventy-one. So a long time ago. Yeah, anyway, yeah. We were all asked this question: If you had the choice, would you go back in the past? Would you stay in the present, or would you go in the future? Now there were thirty people in this class, and I vividly remember this. The vast majority of the kids um, went wanted to go back into the past. Quite a lot wanted to stay in the present, and four kids, me included, wanted to go into the future. And at the time, I remember thinking, "That's really weird," because I, I, I it was obvious to me well, that the future, would, the future. Yeah, like, yeah but, but like, most people wanted to stay where they were or go back in the past. And to this day, I think that's quite a strange thing mm, for me to, to mm, recall. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I was going to say, if you could spend a week in any past decade, as on on a holiday, go back and spend a week in a, in a decade or a time, what would where would you go? That's a great question. Yeah, I would go back to kind of late Victorian times. Yeah, um, a lot of my recent novels, the trilogy that I'm having relaunched in December, um, the the fourth novel, which wasn't originally published when the trilogy originally came out, um, my novel Tommy Catkins, which is a World War One novel, um, and one other novel that was a kind of a, a surreal. Um, you know, do you know? Are you familiar with Spike Milligan and the Goons? And yeah, Mon- loosely. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote this extremely silly novel. Um, I wanted to write um, a novel with a really serious theme that had a, was just really silly. So it would kind of mash up those. A two. bit like a Blackadder type thing, you know. It's just... one of one reviewer said it was Blackadder merged <laughs> with Alice in Wonderland, which I was very very <laughs> flattered by. Okay. Um, but that whole Victorian era, I'm just fascinated by that now because you know so much stuff was happening to Britain that we still 
are still have consequences today. You know, mm. our notion that we had an empire, that we are a faded empire. You know, our our kind of um, uh, devotion to royalty. Yeah, um, yeah I'm yeah. no royalist myself, but in the, you know, in those days, it was mm. even more, very much more different than what it was now. Politically, um, there's that yeah. as well. Yeah, it's just fascinating. So. Um, uh, yeah, so I think probably, you know, maybe 1880, that sort of time. What about and, you, Shane? Yeah. Um, I think it'd be the 50s. Yeah? That's yeah, good. Yeah, like the, the 50s, sort of 50s, 60s, something like that, because... Um, Elvis? Yeah. Well, not, not even just Elvis. It's just, it's just very much like, you know, um, around, well, to be, 50s onwards, to be fair, um, because it was very much like, you know, you, you did things you know, for your family off your own back, you know, if you, if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to start a business, you just did it, you know, and, yeah. and just things like that, you, you, you do things straight away off the bat on your own. Um, <coughs> the fifties feels like a more innocent time now, doesn't it? Yeah. It's quite hard of. to think back because we, the world now is so um, yeah. difficult and challenging. Um, and like, oh, yeah. I watched Mad Men. Mad Men is one of my favorite series. Yeah. And uh, there's like this amazing scene where they get the whole family go for a picnic. And they literally just like the, the, to finish with their picnic, they, they all stand up and they just chuck all their stuff all over the grass, like, and then just walk off. And like they're just the garbage, the, 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 yeah. the litter, you know. Yeah. I think I would. Okay, this is going to sound quite morbid, but I'm genuinely quite interested because there are two sides to the story. I would like. Uh, I would like to go and see the the Battle of Waterloo if I could be safe. Like I would love to know what actually happened because you know there's there's people are like oh France kind of won uh, and then there's someone's like well the Prussians kind of saved the British and then there's like the still the British like well we were brave. I mean you know I would love to know what actually happened because you want to cut through the controversy. Yeah, well yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Sharp fan. I love Sharp. Oh right, yeah. And so yeah. that book for me, yeah. uh, Cornwell's got this amazing way of describing battles he's a brilliant author yeah, yeah he, when i worked for waterstones we sold shed loads of his books absolutely oh, just, shed loads i've never read yeah. any of his uh is um is uh viking saxony type stuff um i've never read any of that which i probably should because yeah. his the way he describes a battle like there's one scene where oh, it's probably too graphic for me to say on the show to be honest but he's talking about it describes the aftermath of a battle and what it looks like. You know, in yeah. them days, you can yeah. imagine it's quite graphic. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I would just love to know what actually happened at Waterloo yeah. because yeah. Um, not to not to go and look at the violence, not to, I mean, look at the heroics more than anything, you know. Because yeah. yeah. when I was researching for Tommy Catkins, um, which is about shell shock, um, I knew a bit about shell shock. Um, it's called PTSD now. Mm. Um, but... Um, just absolutely shocking um the, you know how bad it was mm. they knew nothing about shell shock in those days absolutely nothing and it was yeah. just my eyes were open to how bad it was in 1914 and 1915 well there was a lot of people that came back from the falklands you know that was yeah. just absolutely because absolutely even though it was yeah, such yeah. a short yeah. campaign it was yeah. brutal yeah yeah, yeah. Mean, ptsd is a massive and real thing yeah i've had i had a friend i'm not going to mention any names who who went to mm -hmm. iraq and um yeah, absolutely. He was one of the one of the hardest guys I ever met. And when we were in the cadets together, he was he had uh, decommissioned Lee Enfield rifles on his wall, stacked on his wall from from when we were kids. Like you know, we, he was he was going in the army. He that was what he was doing. He went and it ruined him. Yeah. Absolutely ruined him. He yeah. would lock himself in his apartment and not come out yeah. after he came back. Yeah. I mean, he's he's in the he's in the the UN and you know, the blue caps he's, he's, he's doing amazing things now. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's back out there doing these things, yeah. but he had to take a while. Yeah. It's recover. a it's... long, long thing. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of, of 
you know, guys who get this don't. Never. No, they don't pull out of it, no, do they? No, never. Yeah. So no. shout out to anybody there that's yeah. suffering for that. Um, so you've since 2006, since that that happened. Um, what have you been? Because I mean, you're local to Shrewsbury. You stayed. You stayed here. You know, largely, I guess. Um, yeah, 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 so, yeah. I've lived in Shropshire since then. Yeah. Um, did that kind of give you a bit of notoriety around the town, or do you kind of keep yourself to yourself? <laughs> you know, um, I do pretty much. I'm, I'm a, like many authors actually. I'm a pretty private person. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, also to be honest with you. Uh, for a long time, you know, I had personal stuff to deal with and, until yeah. about 2012. So it was a long time. And I think people forget about that with, with authors, yeah, don't they? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the big ones out there like J.K. Rowling, they'll throw the odd tweet and stuff like that and cause controversy. But yeah. they don't realise that well, maybe J.K., maybe she was, ha- maybe she was having a, 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 a bad day. She's or, had all sorts of. I mean, you know, yeah. she's a single mother. Yeah, she was. She was, you know, penniless and virtually starving in Edinburgh. Yeah, she was firing those books all across the world, Absolutely. wasn't she? And yes. She's got nose yeah. like. Yeah. She's done. I mean, she's a great example of um, somebody who just absolutely knew they wanted to be an author and just... And believed in their idea too. Absolutely, yeah. They didn't go... Yeah, if you look at the stuff she said after she became mega famous, you still have that sense that she is an author and she loves it and she wants to do it and be it. And that's that's a significant... People who can keep going for that long, you know, can ride the... the, You know, ride the... Because, I mean, it's just... you, You are so dependent on luck with this in this business yeah. uh, she got lucky but if you can ride all the bad stuff then and have that persistence because you have to have phenomenal powers of persistence mm. I, need some, I need some that. i need some tips and pointers i mean i've been lucky enough to have shane and julie and my wife to kind of keep because like <laughs> i'm not i don't i don't want to go into this whole, whole biscuit thing again but yeah. uh, to get to where we are kind of going now it's taken a lot of no's and a lot of failures and D- a lot of <laughs> D- working with al um in general is a little bit like a bowling alley with the barriers up and you have to kind of keep bashing him in, back in, <laughs> yeah. and keep him in line because he either goes up one way or he goes down the other. Listen, and you, have to kind you, of like... o- you only learn by your mistakes. You've yeah. got to make mistakes to, yeah. to get it right. That's the only way, and in fact, it's the best way to learn. I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. Be... I think. I think I can remember the one, one just one that just popped into my head. Uh, Al messaged me, um, and I, I just messaged him saying, "Yeah, how are you doing?" or whatever. It's on a Sunday. And he goes, I am losing my mind. He was just like, I'm stressed. I'm annoyed with more colourful language. Um, and he was like, you know, I've got this to do. I've got that to do. I've got all this stuff. And I've got, I've got, I've got to do this. And I've got to have some sleep because I'm working tomorrow. And like, uh, I said, mate, put your laptop away. And he was just yes, like... Very good advice. Yeah. And he was just like, no, I'll go. I said, mate, yeah. put it away. Yeah. Pick it up again on Monday. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. And I think put you, your need, laptop you, you away. guys need to remind me that you are part of the team too and yeah. I can offload to you. Yeah. And, and he was just like, oh, I don't know. I said, put your laptop away. It's a Sunday. Spend some time with your family and your kid. You know, like just Laptops chill. and the internet put it can away. suck you in. That's it. It's a and, dangerous place to go. Yeah. And it's quite funny because I work with... with Kaz, no, Alex's wife, and uh-huh. she, she's saying, she goes, thank God that you told him to do that because he was doing my head in, like, <laughs> absolutely doing my head in. And he did, to be fair, he did listen. He put his laptop away. And I, I remember do need you saying on the Monday or, or a couple of days later saying, I'm so glad that I did that because yeah. I needed that, yeah, you know. I need to have like a, with the show, I need to have like a three on one week off sort of basis. And would you think that's really important to be, to be creative? as a creative person yourself, do you think it's really important to take those holidays away from what you're doing? It's not, it's essential. Yeah. It's absolutely essential. Um, because for me, for an author like me, um, a lot, I find that a lot of the work, 
um, in in preparation in preparation of novels is basically um, you know being done in my in my subconscious and I'm mm. not even aware of it. Um, let me tell you about something that happened in 2013. Um, I, I I was kind of wondering what next to write basically. Yeah. So um, I had a I'd, about a year before I had this idea for a book title had popped into my head, The Girl with Two Souls. Mm. Now, why that happened, I don't know. It just randomly popped into my head. So I wrote it down. I thought, that's a great title for a book. I'll have that. Um, and then one evening, I was watching uh, Channel 4 News, uh, you know, just in the evening, just chilling. And these ideas just started to filter down into my head. And, and after about two or three minutes, there were lots of them. I thought, okay, I think I'd better write these down now. <laughs> so I got a notebook, brand new notebook, grabbed a pen, wrote them all down and then wrote and wrote and wrote and I looked up and two hours had passed uh, I had you know had the mute button on the TV and the, in in that two hours I had sketched out the entire template and structure of this trilogy the girl with two souls the girl with one friend and the girl with no soul and that hardly changed in the writing of it over the next two years Ooh, hit the spring no, it's okay <laughs> it's fine yeah it happens um, so what that kind of means is my subconscious was doing the work for me. It was preparing all this stuff. It was just bubbling under. Mm. And then one evening, for no apparent reason, it just all came out and I wrote it down straight away. Yeah. And that is, that's the creativity. That's the beauty of it. It's just, mm. yeah, it's all there waiting for you I, I, I absolutely resonate with you that I, that is me that is exactly yeah. me you've got to listen to your subconscious that it, the design for the studio no it wasn't it was the we want to go to festivals we want to take like a a marquee and a big table and a portable microphone and just do festivals just sit there do this like yeah. at a festival or something yeah. and um, I was like oh I've got an idea for a setup so I went and took pictures uh, and I put things together and I designed and I put things together it took me about an hour I did it on my phone uh, all these pictures and I sent them to Shane and to Julie and I was meant to be sleeping for work I just have these ideas I have to put them down on paper it's nothing compared to what you do I well mean, no you should do you've, you've anything that comes <laughs> anything that comes by itself like that automatically get them written down yeah. I have a, whenever I go apart from when I go to shopping or stuff you know I have a notebook I've always got a notebook and a pen in my bag or somewhere in do a you, car do you find um, yourself looking through old notebooks and things and finding old ideas and thinking that why why haven't I done that yet um, I do I've, I have got an entire metal cabinet at home in my study in my study <laughs> which is just full of ideas you know um, sheets in poly pockets notebooks yeah I, it, and, and there's no way I'm going to be able to write all there's, this stuff. There, there's so many <laughs> yeah. examples of that in the world, there wasn't there? I mean, um, I was watching a documentary a while ago about um, the the NWA, the the rappers, you know. Oh yeah. And uh, they did a very famous song called "F the Police." They it was did one indeed, of the biggest yeah. songs. I love it that was song. Very controversial. Uh, yeah. Ice Cube broke that song down. <laughs> laughed, screwed it all up and threw it in a bin. He's like, I can't sing that. That's really bad. And somebody found it in the bin and they were like, why Why are we not recording this right yeah. now? And he's like, Look, read the lyrics, man. And he's yeah. like, we need to release this yeah. now. There's loads you know? of examples of that. I yeah. mean, the, the most famous one is Yesterday, Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. yeah, but there's so many. Um, Neil Young, who we were talking about a bit earlier, yeah, yeah. Um, a bit, I'm a big fan of Neil Young. He, his, his idea is he goes with what comes to him first thing in the morning. So he wakes up and he kind of thinks that his dreaming mind is quite close to his conscious mind when he wakes up, as you know, you, you can mm. just about remember your dreams. So he kind of writes down what he's got in his head um, then, because he, he feels that's his subconscious dreaming mind speaking to him. Oh, And right, he's okay. got to get it down, yeah. So I kind of use that technique myself. You know, if anything comes to me 
that's you know from a dream or first thing in the morning get it down that's like um, there's a plot for uh, I don't know if you've watched Black Mirror before on Netflix there's a on the latest series there's one with Miley Cyrus and I was like oh Miley Cyrus why but it's actually brilliant because <laughs> this girl she would go to sleep and yeah. whatever dream she has she'll sit down and write a song and she's like the biggest star in the world right and so her parents were like milking her for everything uh, and because she didn't want to do it anymore, um, they put her in a, in a medically in induced coma and they had a machine transcribing everything that she was dreaming and they were oh, just right. making songs out of this. Oh, right. And yeah. it's it quite a nasty story, but yeah, that's what Black yeah. Mirror does. It takes yeah, yeah, down the dark this. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think people don't realise, you know, that, that people don't realise, first of all, that a lot of stuff is happening in their minds without them being aware of it. Yeah. But also what an amazing resource that is. Um, yeah. Are you fans of Julian Cope? Of Teardrop I can't say that I... Uh, no. now, he had this brilliant scheme where he, would, he was living in London at the time and what he would do is he would go out cycling um, and he found that the sort of physical exertion of cycling would make his mind work in a particular way. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and he would then... Um, when a tune, because he was a brilliant tunesmith, um, Julian Cope, he's, yeah, he's still, you know, he's still doing that sort of stuff. Um, and what he would do is, when a brilliant tune came to mind, he would stop at the nearest phone box, he would ring himself, wait till his answering machine came out, oh and then sing the tune to his answering machine. So all these melodies that he got when he was cycling, um, he wouldn't, he wouldn't forget them. Mm. Yeah, what a brilliant idea. That is That's pretty cool. Cool. <laughs> That's a really good idea. I do things like that really. I because I, I got the tablet and my phone. And what I do is I'll, I'll, you know, like I do the voice messages, I'll press it and go, uh, what you need to do is you need to do this, this is Alex, <laughs> yeah. da, 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 da. and then I'll come back to my tablet to do some work because I'm always at this tablet working and I'll hear those back. That's really cool. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, on the kind of flip side of it, I mean, well, not really flip side, I mean, because I'm a mechanic by trade, mm-hmm. but I've always, um, like my sort of forte is, is like physical stuff. I've always been like a physical learner. Um, I've always been, I had to have things in my hands and do things with my hands, you know, and, and build things and yep. stuff like that. And uh, I can remember loads of times, you know, funny enough, we were talking about it earlier in my um, in my old house, I had my ex-wife. Um, I built all sorts of stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I built a whole extension um, using majority pallets, <laughs> things like that, and it, and it was good, wasn't it? You know, um, and I've, I've always sort of sat there and I've I've thought about ideas of what to build and what to make, you know, physically make. Um, and the amount of times my, my ex-wife used to moan at me because, like, you know, I'd be sitting there and suddenly I'd just get up and out the back door and I'd be in my shed <laughs> cutting wood up and, and putting things <laughs> together. Stuff, yeah. Or I'd get a notebook and start sort of just roughly sketching stuff and, you know, be like, oh, that, that could work. And obviously with the mechanic side of it as well, I mean, um, I used to just get stuff, cars and fix them up and all sorts of stuff. And sometimes I get a problem that I can't quite fix just yet. And I go away and I'll be sat watching the soaps or something. And all of a sudden I just sort of think, oh, hold on a minute. Have I, have, I, have I tried that yet? That's your subconscious working. Yeah, You've got to I, give it space to work, you see. But then yeah. straight away, Brilliant. I'm up and I'm out the door and yeah. I've got to go yeah. and get it sorted, you know, yeah. and I'm going, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so funny enough, with the, with the studio, you said to me earlier, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got some ideas of some furniture and stuff. And uh, I, I want a very like, elaborate table for our studio. <laughs> so, so I sat there and I was like, I can make that. And mm. <laughs> we were talking about it, weren't we, earlier? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he was like, really? I was like, yeah, I could probably make that. And it, or, since then, my head's been whirring. <laughs> so you've set me off now. <laughs> yeah. I want a big round table, a big blue round table with our, our Shrewsbury Biscuit logo that we can all sit around and talk about. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. With no money as well. So we're gonna, if anybody, anybody's got any spare pallets, uh, <laughs> chuck them my way. <laughs> we're going to start doing something. Um, so what are you up to these days then? What, do you still, are you still writing... 
Yeah, yeah, I do at least one book a year. Um, uh, when I wrote um, The Girl With Two Souls, I kind of, um, I had this, um, uh, I was single at the time, uh, I had this basically free Christmas, completely free Christmas, apart from Christmas Day when I went to see my parents and my sister. Um, so, um, and I'd really been looking forward to writing this novel. So I wrote it really, really, in, I kind of lived it for 16 mm. days, the two weeks of the holiday. I was working at the Sixth Form College at the time. Uh, and I went back to work, and you know, in January, thinking that was fantastic fun. I just absolutely loved it. So since then, I've, I've, what I've done is, um, me and my ex- ex-wife never had children, right. so I've got slightly more free time than most, you know, people, mm. you know, most people do have children. Um, so I've kind of um, learned to use that spare time, you know, more wisely. Um, and um, so when I write, it's usually over the winter holiday. Um, and the Easter holiday, mm. I write very, very intensively. I absolutely live it for a few, you know for two weeks, three weeks, um, and um, you know do at least one novel a year. Sometimes two. It just depends. Um, you know, go with the flow. Mm. Uh, I'm just reading the blurb actually from uh, the Girl with Two Souls. It sounds really interesting. I want to read it now. Good. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely want to pick up. A couple. I want to. Um, read a couple of your books and get you back back on maybe we can do like a Stephen Palmer book club <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, we could, I, I, because I feel I always feel bad because the authors that I've had I've had Ron Morgan on and Lisa Blower and when they come on I, I like to I like to read some of their stuff and, talk, and then we can talk about what what, go, what goes into this you know yeah. read uh, Tommy Catkins that's probably the best one uh, to go with first the first World War first World War novel oh I like stuff um, like that so maybe yeah yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say is your biggest success as far as all the books that you've re- released? And it depends hard. what you mean. I mean, in terms of commercial success, uh, my first two, uh, with, 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 you know, that was with a big publisher. Um, to be honest with you, commercial success isn't that important to me. I, I'm kind no, of, yeah. um, you know, I'm doing this because I love doing it. I, I feel as though, you know, well, I am an author, you know, as, <laughs> so I, um, and it's, you know, I, I kind of, um, I get a kick out of knowing that my mm. fans are going to um, be going to like this or going to be stumped by that or going to enjoy this or um so i i kind of i don't write for my fans but i write for my readers mm. um, i think authors who write for their fans that's kind of a slightly dangerous game because uh, you have to be true to yourself um yeah. kate bush is a brilliant example of this uh, kate bush basically does whatever she wants to do and she expects her fans to go along with her and if her fans don't go along with her that's fine. But yeah. they usually do, of course, because she's an absolute genius. Um, but I kind of like that Kate Bush way of, of kind of, you know, being true to yourself, doing what you want to do, making yeah. it absolute. I make my novels. I put absolutely everything into my novels. You get some. There's so many examples of people that have tried to do that but had to reel back. For example, Seth MacFarlane when he killed off Brian from Family Guy. Oh, the outrage. People uh, yeah. were not yeah. happy. That was a great series. I, yeah. I'm yeah. a massive fan of The Simpsons too. Yeah, That's an interesting example actually of something that's been commercially successful and artistically successful, The Simpsons. That's a quite a rare thing. It's... Um, it's very good at being brilliantly tongue-in-cheek. It's yeah. one of those yeah. things that you can just be like, it's oh. It lands perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 You know. There are various people who just, you know, through a combination of talent and luck, because there's a huge mm. amount of luck in this. I mean, Bowie's another classic example of somebody who was, you know, an artist, 
to absolutely to the core but was massively commercially successful as well. So, so you talk a lot about music. You're obviously a huge fan of music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you find a lot of, uh, you can be listening to a certain song and be like, that'll inspire you to go away and create something? Or do you just Not do that to really. zone out? No, well, I, mean, I play music as well, so I record music as well. So that kind of is a separate thing. You do, and um, you very kindly offered to make us some music. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, well, I mean, I've, I've, yeah, I've got music sort of, you know, there's there's quite a lot of it online. So, Do um, you know Wonderwall? I'm not joking. <laughs> I, yeah, they played that on Radio 2 today when I was at work. That's a yeah. fantastic song. That it is, is a is. really brilliant song, yeah. I love that song, but it's yeah. one of those cliche things and when there's a guy with a guitar and yeah. they'll be like, do you know... Can you play Wonderwall? <laughs> it's a great song, yeah. It is. Don't know the cause, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, what do you, what do you like to do to zone out? Like, do you know, because those moments when you've got a bit of writer's block or you're just a bit fatigued or whatever, what do you like to do to bring yourself back? Well, I never get writer's block. No, um, that's no. good. Um, because because I, I do these novels so intensively that the whole thing is kind of in my mind for, the, for that two or three weeks. And it's just all there. Um, so, um, well, I listen to a lot of music, you know. Um, I go out with my friends, um, me, you know, my other half, and, you know, um, we'll do a lot of walking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, normal stuff, really. Mm. Watch telly. Uh, I always ask it, I always, especially writers and, and artists, and I always ask the same question. But you know, like, what would what advice would you give to budding young writers to do? Well, um, I would first of all say I get asked this an awful lot, as you can imagine. Yeah, I imagine um, yeah. First of all, I what I try and do. Um, actually, I must just say I must mention something at the moment. I'm doing um, a thing at the Shrewsbury Library yeah. with a guy called Joe Schumann. Uh, now, I met Joe about uh, six nine months ago. I just randomly walked up to him in, in Shrewsbury Library and said, you know, do you do author events? Um, and he's turned out to be a really great bloke. Uh, and we've basically led a writing group um, wow. in Shrewsbury Library. Um, so um, I kind of started off leading that, giving advice to, um, you know, the local budding writers of Shrewsbury and Shropshire. Um, and um, it's kind of evolved since then. And, and um, you know, uh, and I have to say, if anybody, any writers out there listening to this, if you want to come to Shrewsbury Library on every alternate Tuesday, just find us out. Um, but I kind of started off with, um, I kind of went for the brutal truth and then kind of reined back a bit. Because the fact is, writers have got virtually no chance of having any major success. I've yeah. had no major success. I've had, you know, I've had nice critical success, creative success and a bit of commercial success. The chances are virtually zero. So I always go in saying, okay, you've got no chance of success. You, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, you will, if you're new to writing, you won't be very good. You've got a lot to learn. And then I kind of rein back from there and kind of like then start to make it a bit more, well, you know, if you've got persistence. Mm. And then I ask them this question. I say to them, what have you got inside you that has to come out via the medium of writing? And I let them think about that for a while. And that's the question that you have to ask yourself if you're an artist. What is there inside me that must come out through music, through art, through writing, whatever? And if you can answer that question as a writer and say, well, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. You have a chance of being a writer. And then you have to learn, it's learn the passion, the skills. I suppose, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like a sort of controlled mm. passion. You have to have the passion, but you have to control it and kind of direct it. Yeah. You, you have to make it. your own luck, which is a, you know. You've got you have to motivate yourself. Motivate, you've got to market yourself. Marketing, I'll tell you, marketing novels is far more difficult than writing novels. Writing novels is easy. Marketing them is incredibly difficult. I imagine like taking taking a story, say, for example, Lord of the Rings, okay. taking a story of. Say, 
taking that story and trying to sell it in a sentence yeah. <laughs> is is probably one of the biggest sciences on the world. Uh, they always say, don't judge a book by its cover, but you kind of have to sometimes, you, you know, can, sometimes, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and you know, you get the blurb at the back, but yeah. you know, it must be really hard to condense that into something that's catchy. And it's actually a very good exercise. It's one of the exercises that I gave the people at the library um, a few months ago. You know, I said, um, I think it was a short story or something. I asked them to summarize it in one sentence. Um, and actually, um, if you are querying agents, that's something that agents will ask you sometimes. They will try and get you to summarise your own novel to see if you can do it, because it is a very difficult thing. And if you can do it as an author, then the agent will know, okay, this person's got the skill. That's somebody worth paying yeah. attention to. Yeah. So you have to learn these skills. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so are there any authors that are you know still creating now that you really look up to, things that you look forward to reading? Um I, I'm unusual and I actually read very little fiction. Um, oh, most okay. of the stuff I read is non-fiction. Um, so, um, and I, I read very little science fiction and fantasy these days because yeah. oh, this is just such a huge field. There are so many people doing it and yeah. um, I've kind of done that. Um, so I read, um, and what's kind of happened is over the last 10, 15 years, the, the non-fiction books that I've read have really informed what I write. Um, and that's turned into a really nice... You know, mm. thing to have really you know yeah. I, I read all sorts of i mean you, you were looking at the picture of the bone flute yes, yes um you know the history of hu- of human evolution is really interesting mm. so that's inspired a lot of my stuff so you know i just want to apologize and i'm looking at my tablet i'm yeah. trying to get our, our, our biscuit page up on, on my tablet and it won't come up because i wanted to see if there's anything we need to shout out uh but technology being technology um and you know uh Let's tell people a bit about more about what's going on in the library for you because I'd love, to, I'd love. Where can people find out about that? Okay, so it's called the Shrewsbury Writers Lab. Yes. So they can either go into Shrewsbury Library, um, which yeah. is on you know Castle Fourgate, um, and ask there, um, or they can just you know Google it online. Yeah. Um, or actually, no, use Ecosia. Ecosia is planting trees. Don't use Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, and then um, basically, um, this is at the moment is ongoing. We're going to have a break over over Christmas, so there's two more sessions. One is next Tuesday. Uh, which I think is the um, this 19th of November. And there's a last session of the year on the 3rd of December. Um, but it's, I have to say, it's been fantastic fun. I've had great fun. Um, has it given you faith in young writers? It, it has. It's yeah. been lovely to meet people. I've met, I've made new friends. Joe Schumann's great bloke. Tracy Morgan, who's a writer, a local, another local writer who's written about John Candy, the, the film star. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, uh, and you know, there are there, many writers came out of the out of the woodwork and have come to the you know this session. It's been is it, is brilliant. It, have you find anybody that you're like ah. This person's going places. Without mentioning um, names. Without mentioning oh, well, names. Well, all in, yeah. uh, to be honest with you, most of the people who came have, in their own way, you know, yeah. some, you know, there was one lady, um, I forget her name now, who basically wanted to write a poem about a relative who was in World War One, mm. who had been killed, I think, at the Somme or Verdun or somewhere. Um, and so she wanted to kind of, you know, a bit of validation, a bit of help, a bit of support on writing this poem. So I gave her the help she wanted. And, you know, she, in the end, she actually gave me the full poem. And it was a lovely poem. And that poem, I believe, now went, is now in the church that she, um, or the possibly the, the churchyard, I can't remember, um, of, the, of her local church. Mm, the poem wow. she wrote about this, about this soldier, wow. yeah. So, you know, there's been all sorts. Yeah. It's been great fun. We'll, do, we'll carry on doing it next year, I'm sure. That's brilliant. Um, I asked this to John Wagner, uh, and I think it's an. I guess it's it's quite. Is there ever ever a point where you don't 
when when you make something it gets published it's there on a shelf you can see it where it doesn't become special anymore or does it is it still kind of every time you see something that you've created being sold or that it's like oh that's mine i made that you know um, so sentimentality that's what i'm trying to ask yeah um kind of most of my sales like most authors these days are ebooks yeah yeah, yeah. so you know at the, the moment my, most of my books aren't on well none of my books are on shelves mm, yeah um so um but to answer the question, yes, um, it's still a, it's still. I'll tell you what has changed actually. Um, there, as I said, I'm quite, I'm a very private person really, and um, not many people at my day job uh, know that I'm an author. So I have told a few people, um, people I can trust basically, right. um, and um, it's kind of still a profoundly strange experience to when somebody who you know very well, possibly, or you work with, um, comes up to you and said, "Yeah, I read that book." And whatever they think of it, I don't mind. You know, if they liked it or hated it, I don't mind. But just the fact that, you know, they've read one of your books and you know them personally, that is a it's really weird. strange experience. I still haven't got over that and I never will. Because it's just yeah. weird to think that, you know, you're, you're kind of your children are out there in print and people that you know are reading them. Mm. That's, that's weird. But I, yeah. I, I guess like meeting a, an author of something that was written, because I, I feel like, um, like literature is intimate, right? That's come it's from your head. Very, very intimate. Yeah. So, like, yeah. so for me to meet Lee, Lee Child, being a Jack Reacher fan, or you know, it would just be like yeah. I, I've been inside your soul yeah. a tiny little bit, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think yeah. this is why a lot of authors um, get very down and just give up because when you when you write a novel and put something out there, you're putting yourself out there yeah. in many ways, and so people, authors or writers who. Um, who are rejected, I mean, who are told their work is rubbish or that doesn't sell as they expect or just doesn't sell at all, that feels to them like a personal rejection. And you have to, you absolutely have to get over that if you're going to sort of progress from being a writer to being an author because you are going to be rejected time and time and time again. And it's not, it's not you that's, in one novel, it's not you that's out there, it's part of yourself. Yeah. It's not a kind of, I think a lot of um, new authors feel that they personally have been rejected. But it's not like that. It's just one thing. Mm. I mean, it probably doesn't strengthen everybody, but like from what going from what you told us earlier, like that kind of strengthened you. Yeah. Almost to the point where you were ready to give up, but look what happened. You yeah. persevered. It's like Nietzsche said Nietzsche said, Friedrich the famous philosopher, what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a great what a great way to So where can I've just been on your website now. I've just clicked my tablet's just died. <laughs> it's just like not it's working. Just come alive again. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not it's not I think the internet's I don't know what's going on with it. But um where can people find you? Okay, so um basically just just um search me online, Stephen Palmer with it with a PH. Um all my novels are out there on Amazon. Yeah. Um, you know, you can find me on Goodreads. Um, I've got my, my blog is is just easy to find. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just Google me, find out, and, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, we always ask this to all our guests. Do you want to ask? <laughs> um, what does Shrewsbury mean to you? It means a hell of a lot, actually. It's a, um, I, at the moment, uh, it, well, in about four weeks' time, I'm going to write volume three of a novel, a fantasy novel, actually, that's set in Shrewsbury. Oh, um, Now, I've made it a really dark, bleak, black Shrewsbury. I've called it Blackberry. Um, <laughs> wow. So um, it's kind of like an alternate um, Victorian grim Shrewsbury. Um, so it means a hell of a lot to me. It's a, Shrewsbury is a beautiful, beautiful town. You know, the history, the buildings, the quarry, the river, the walks. I used it all in this, in this um, setting. So it means a hell of a lot to me. Yeah, you know, it is my hometown. Even though I haven't, you know, I've only, you know, I've, I lived away for a lot in the southwest and the southeast. I always say to to like you know creators that 
to live in a town like this when when you when you write or you draw or you make something it's quite easy to be inspired absolutely by this place, mm. you know the there architecture are, alone i mean yeah. just just walking the streets there are only two towns that i know that are like Shrewsbury. one is york yeah. and one is durham that have the same sort of vibe of shit i'd love to go to york i've never been to york but i haven't watched vikings and yeah, yeah. you've got to go to jorvik that you know the viking yeah. archaeology that's fantastic yeah, oh. yeah but durham's beautiful as well yeah you were saying that as well though we were walking back from town we were where we were that 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 little hill that juts in by the the hive um yeah it's going to it goes on the back of the um lion hotel doesn't it yeah the, we were walking down there and <clears> he's oh, yeah, just like yeah. he's stamping on the cobbles he's like this has been here forever yeah i love this <laughs> yeah, it yeah. makes me feel so yeah, yeah. you know yeah, yeah. Um, if, yeah. if brits could speak i i could yeah. do, do you remember when they did um that series of um britain's finest victorian town and britain's finest um Edward, i didn't see that it? but i like stuff like that well really the, one of them was britain's finest tudor town and i kind of assumed that it was going to be shrewsbury because shrewsbury is britain's finest tudor town and they chose norwich <laughs> i couldn't believe it <laughs> what the hell's in norwich I, <laughs> allegedly a better tudor town than shrewsbury but shrewsbury will always be the best <laughs> fantastic well thank you so much for joining us on the show it's been really thank actually, you we've done just under an hour and it's been absolutely fantastic thank you so much, talking I'm, to you yeah, um, great pleasure thank uh, you. a bit of housework before we, we get out of here uh, you may have heard that we've just landed uh, we haven't just landed uh, we've been very kindly given a unit to use at the parade yes uh, in town that we can like a yeah it's like a bit of a studio space that we can use we're just temporary we're just gonna while it's empty sit there make some content it just make all it means is that we are in town we we got a space there that we can use to our heart's content yeah and we can pump out some amazing content that the locals can listen to um, we're going to be uh, at there from the the 22nd of November uh, we're going to be doing a day at the parade we've got a few um, nice one a yeah. few surprises lined up there we're going to be speaking to a couple of the traders and we're trying to put something together with a certain tour guide about a certain building <coughs> yeah. I don't want to jinx us because that always tends to happen with me I'll be like are we doing this this and this and they'll be like no you're not fate decided that you're not doing it today um, I just want to say thank you to, to the guys at the parade and to everyone that's given us so much support lately yeah. because are you going to cry again <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's been emotion. My head is hurting. Is is that much noise going on in my head because of all the amazing things that we've heard today? today. Has been just been a roller coaster. It to really be fair. has, man. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, right guys thank you very much for listening to this episode uh, if you've got any comments to, to throw at us uh, you can find us on Facebook of course um, and you can email us which and our email is uh, shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com and uh, I'm going to sign off by saying thank you to our sponsors at Web Orchard which we've got over Web, Orchard. Web yeah. Orchard they're making us a nice sexy looking website which will be launched very soon and you'll, you'll hear and it is beautiful it is a beautiful website nice, yeah. yeah and you'll hear no end about that when we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've actually got a sketch to to record uh oh yeah i don't know if we're doing that today or maybe tomorrow i don't it's know um but we've we got a funny little sketch that i wrote that's all i like so thank you very much again cheers guys thank thanks you. a lot thanks, thanks. Cheers. catch cheers. you guys next week peace out peace out